Hi, my name's Joel Radcliffe. Today I'll be talking to Peter Hindle, one of the founding members of Agenda Agenda here in Canberra, and we're going to be talking about Trans Day of Remembrance. Check it out. LGBTIQ Health, Lifestyle and Community News. Check it out is brought to you by the AIDS Action Council. From Canberra. For everyone. Today we're here with Peter Hindle, one of the founding members from Agenda Agenda, which is a vital organisation in the ACT that works to support the transgender, gender diverse and intersex communities. Welcome, Peter. Thanks. It's great to be here. So we've been invited here today to talk a little bit about Trans Day of Remembrance. So I thought it might be a good place to start to get you, Peter, to tell us what you know about Trans Day of Remembrance and I guess more importantly, what it means to you. Well, I first of all say I don't think I'm a, an expert necessarily in, in all of the history of, of Trans Day of Remembrance or TDOR. Uh, I do know that it's um, t- this year is the 20th year that since its inception, um, that it was an event that started in Boston in the US uh, in response to the murder of a African-American trans woman in 1998. And that since that time, it's gradually spread, firstly to other parts of the US and then and then around the world. With the first time that I'm aware, it was acknowledged in Canberra was in 2004, um, and it's been acknowledged in various ways in Canberra since that time. In terms of what it means to me, uh, I think that's a more complicated answer because over that period of time, um, since 2004, it's meant a variety of, of really quite different things um, from, you know, initially a really powerful kind of rallying point for the recognition of um, so many trans lives around the world being lost through over the years to, you know, a, a call for action for, for local community, you know, strengthening of local community, um, specific calls to action around law reform that, that needed to be done at a local level. And uh, now I, I, I feel quite mixed about the day um, and a little bit unclear really about how to make sense of that in an Australian um, and specifically Canberran context. So I guess we can talk a little bit about some of your mixed feelings about the event, but I did want to kind of acknowledge that uh, this Tuesday we observed uh, Trans Day of Remembrance at Agenda Agenda House, uh, and as the as the founder of AGA, you were invited to speak at that event. And I was thinking it might be nice for you to share a little bit, you know, I guess use this opportunity as a bit of a reflection on that day and because there were some really interesting conversations that happened with our community members and allies in that space. But could you start by talking a little bit about when you were invited to come and talk, how you sort of approached that in terms of preparing for that conversation? Uh Yes, I, um, you know, to the same degree that I feel mixed about TDOR, I, I, I did have um, a similar level of mixed feelings about um, coming to talk on, on the subject because whatever it is that I did, I wanted to, to, to be authentic. Um, I had some concerns about how that might be received because I know that TDOR does carry um, very significant and very different meanings for different people in the community. And, and, 
I think it's important to be cognizant and sensitive to that. So the format that we had on the, on on that evening, I think I think worked very well to the degree that um, there were a diversity of opinions in the room um, from from those people present about what TDOR meant for them and and how they felt about the the event. And I, I think by the end of that discussion everyone was comfortable with that just being you know we didn't come to some some consensus about well this is what what it should mean or what we should do but i I think there was a, a a real kind of shared sense that it is not necessarily a straightforward day i guess one of the things that for me, uh, as an ally, I guess I've participated in a, a variety of TDOR events over the years. And interestingly, a lot of those events, there hasn't been a strong focus on the list. And I suppose that was something that you were thinking about and questioning as well on the day. Could you talk a, a little bit more about that and I guess both the value of that list, but also perhaps some of the issues that might come up in a, in a local context, I guess. Yeah, so the, the, the list um, for me is part of one of the, the things that makes TDOR problematic, uh, whether we uh, focus on it or ignore it. They, they both feel equally problematic to me for different reasons. The list is maintained by the TDOR website and it's, it is a list of the name, the country and um, the weapon used to kill um, all of those reported trans deaths um, over a 12-month period. As um, I covered in, in part of what we talked about last Tuesday at Agenda Agenda, uh, the very keeping of that list is problematic from a whole range of uh, perspectives. One is that it relies on um, a report being made um, and a degree of verification around that report that um, results in uh, massive under-reporting. There are also kind of regional issues evident when you look at that list where there are large numbers of um, deaths reported from certain parts of the world and other parts of the world like the Middle East, Central Asia, almost all of the African states where we know uh, that that trans people are murdered. Um, there are no no reports coming through fr- from those kind of places. So having a list, I, I mean, on on one hand, it it is a list of of real people, um, real people who a year ago were with us and who now, um, because of violence they experienced, because they're trans, are are no longer with us, and they should be. Um, so I think. You know, on one level, having the list does connect you to at least a sense of a person, rather than a generic kind of issue about violence against trans people in uh, you know around the world. But there are at least as many people who are no longer with us and and should be, who for a variety of reasons don't appear on that list. I think um, the other thing that I find problematic, I guess, about focusing. Um, on that list in an Australian context is that we're lucky enough, privileged enough to come from a country where although there are many um, hardships that trans people face, um, there are almost always no reported uh, deaths from Australia that make that list. And when when we acknowledge TDOR in an Australian context, um, given that, we're almost 
I mean, we're kind of uh, we're kind of setting something up uh, where the measure of a good country or a good society or or reasonable treatment of trans people is is determined by how many people are or aren't killed, and um, I don't think that's useful in any in any context, you know. Yeah, and it was really interesting, I think, to, I guess, see how the group that we had with us on Tuesday responded. And I think it was really obvious that we had a very diverse group of people in the room. We had people from the trans and gender diverse community, uh, their partners, their parents, uh, their friends, professionals who were working in the space. And I think it was clear to me from quite early in the conversation that people had come into that space with a whole range of different expectations and intentions about what they wanted to take from that day. Could you, I guess, talk a little bit about that, like your observations of how, because uh, you kind of acknowledged the list and you kind of, it was presented as a bit of a provocation almost, which I mm. thought was really interesting. And there was, I don't know, there was a palpable uneasiness in the room at the beginning, but we slowly moved towards a really connected conversation that really, you know, unpacked some of the the problems and the questions that you were putting forward. So mm. could you talk a, a little bit about that specifically? About the response from Yeah, people. yeah. I think it's be interesting to share how that conversation kind of evolved mm. and moved in that space because I think we ended up at a really nice place, but we started somewhere yeah. a little bit uneasy. Uh, one of the things... Um one of the things that I thought was interesting uh, the other night, but also in general in relation to TDOR, is is this fact that there is that list, and and although there are problems with focusing on it, I think uh, there are also problems in ignoring it to the degree that it exists and it does represent uh, people's lives and and deaths, and so I th- a part of the part of the discussion the other night was focused on the fact that you know it is an international day and and part of that is maybe about reflecting on the disparity that exists in different parts of the world um, but uh, perhaps finding ways to do that that doesn't completely dismiss um, an Australian experience mm. um, uh, I've been involved in um, like some international work over the years, and the, the very first time that happened, I, I, there was a conference in Nepal, and there were all these people from, uh, trans people from. Uh, actually, it was a it was a broader audience. It was LGBTI people um, from around the Asia Pacific region, and uh, we went there with this agenda about talking about you know reforms that needed to happen in our country, and. I, I went there feeling really feisty and like there were all these really important things that needed to happen in Australia and I arrived there and in the first half hour I heard people from a whole range of other countries talk about the experience for LGBTI people in their country where, you know, they were I, I was talking about gender recognition and passport reform and birth certificates, all of which are really important issues, access to medication, um, those kinds of things, but, you know, I was surrounded um, almost universally by people who were talking about their their community members being murdered or disappearing or being arrested um, for who they were. And I found that really confronting, firstly, because um, I didn't know. You know, these are our, our close neighbours and, and fellow community members in a, in a global sense. And I, I had no idea that, that that kind of stuff was still happening so close to home on such a great scale. But the other thing that made me feel really uncomfortable was I, I had an initial response that was like, well, 
all of a sudden all the things that I thought were important don't seem to be important um, and I feel funny even raising them as issues in you know when surrounded by people who's who are dealing with so much more significant issues and I th that for me sums up part of the uh, the difficulty with TDOR I think um, I mean one of the things that came up in the conversation in the room on Tuesday was uh, I think I think people largely are able to reach a point of balancing those two things of not not getting to a point of going well it either has to be one thing or the other but that discussion I think really allowed people to acknowledge some of those competing ideas and reach a point of saying yes it is true that many people in many other parts of the world have extremely different experiences to us and um, arguably face you know far higher levels of violence for example and we can acknowledge that without measuring our own uh, progress simply by that bar and without uh, completely discounting the good work that has been done here and the, the future work that needs to be done. Yeah, and I actually think that it happened rather organically, but I think in some ways we managed to did, to strike at that balance in that space at that particular time. And I think there were people in the room who had come with the need to acknowledge some loss in our own local community, and that wasn't necessarily on the agenda to begin with but I think it was really interesting how that balance was held mm. and uh, you know I, I remember at one point I thought oh you know a little bit concerned about that because you know they had you know I, I guess the thought that occurred to me that in any community across the world whether it's in Canberra or you know in a developing country somewhere over the other side of the globe um, there's there's going to be there's going to be some sense of, of loss in a way within the trans and gender diverse community mm. and in some ways Trans Day Remembrance does seem like an appropriate time to acknowledge that in a local context. But as you said, obviously, um, keeping our focus or, you know, keeping the issues, the global issues and the disparity mm. in focus is also really important. Yeah. And I also, for me, there's something quite different from holding an event whose prime purpose is a chance to mourn and grieve. That's quite a different event than an event that acknowledges a whole lot of um, the, these issues, that, that being one of them. So uh, what I sensed in the room was that rather than people using that space as an active kind of, this is a place for me to grieve and mourn, um, it was more a place for them to acknowledge that loss and, and to, to share that in a bigger context. One other uh, thing that came up as well was, I guess, this idea of, uh, you know, feeling like in some ways we have to prove the cause by always sharing this narrative of disadvantage, of, of, of experiences of violence, of loss, of death, of suffering, of suicide. Um, and in some ways that in itself, especially in a, in a contemporary kind of local context here in Australia and Canberra more specifically is a bit of a diminished kind of dialogue yep. be between, say, between the community and those people that might be taking steps to support us or to fund the work that we're doing and our programs and campaigns and stuff like that. Could, could you talk a little bit more about 
that. Yeah, I, I think we need to be really, really mindful of, of that because it plays out not it plays out in a number of ways, not just around TDOR. It played out um, in in different and overlapping population groups around the marriage equality um, debate that happened. I know. Um, I think one of the things we need to be careful of there is that that every conversation we might have with you know a funding body or a newspaper around around that kind of targeted messaging is something that's going to reach not just who we're speaking to but it also reaches members of the broader community and I think really importantly it also reaches younger members of the community and and their families and I think we have a real responsibility um, to be uh, to be accurate in the kind of expectation setting that we do about what people's lives are like uh, because part of that is part of that's being an accurate reflection on on our current experience but part of it also is about how we set the expectations of newer members of of, of the community whether they new because they're young or whether they're new because they're they're much older and and um, entering the community for the first time I think I can probably be even clearer than that and say specifically what I'm worried about mm. is in instances where for political reasons we feel that that it's important to say, you know, if this reform doesn't happen, then trans people will kill themselves. Yep, and that's a line, a political line that has been used in a number of recent uh, change processes in Australia. When we send that message to politicians, um, and it may, it may be effective there, but we're also sending that message to our young people. We're also, you know, and, the, and the, the guts of that message is a message that says, if you're really trans, if this is who you really are, and X doesn't happen, then this is the path that is laid out. This is the expectation. This is what we think will happen. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not trying to suggest that uh, that will be, you know... <laughs> that will actually cause overtly a suicide to occur that that wouldn't have otherwise but I am trying to suggest that I, I don't think it's very healthy messaging um, or very productive messaging for for us mm. to be sending our own community yeah so, like so how do you think we could strike the right tone with that message like I guess because there's still a need to call for action there's still a need to demand support to um, you know influence change yep so as an example, like how would you strike a tone that you think is a bit more balanced and, and potentially less harmful for more vulnerable people in our community? I, I, I don't have, I don't have you know, a, a one-line answer, but I think, I think the answer is, is somewhere about being a little bit um, less dramatic and a little bit more nuanced in the messaging. Um, which for me comes back to actually being a bit more real rather than... You know, I think we often, in political and, and media contexts, we often underestimate um, the capacity of people to, to get a more complex, um, more real message. You know, There seems to be this kind of headset often that you need to simplify everything down to a one-line grab um, and that that's all that people are capable of, of kind of responding to. And I, yeah. I don't think that's actually true um, in in most most situations no and I think given the level of like political sort of um, uh, 
apathy that's out there. Probably one could argue it's at all-time highs. Uh, you know, yeah, it seems that... I mean, that's the political kind of leadership in the country very much rely on the, this kind of really dumbed-down, simplified mm. messaging around complex political issues. And I think it's quite clear that the public don't doesn't buy it but it still seems to be the flavor of the day for some reason yeah and i think that goes for lots of lots of social issues yeah it's interesting one of the other interesting things that someone in the room said um on tuesday night was you know we we hear all these statistics about um you know approximately 50 percent of trans people have attempted suicide at least once you know around about a third of trans people are clinically depressed at any given point in time yeah, the, the statistics vary but they're of that kind of magnitude um, and and this person reflected on the fact that um, that didn't seem to be their experience, um, you know, in in terms of hearing that tr- that statistic and translating it to the people around us in our community. Um, th- there's a gap there somewhere, and um, I, w- I w- was personally quite quite struck by that comment because um, because I've I've thought that for a long time you know those statistics about suicide depression um have have been fairly consistent for about the last 15 years um and and they're not borne out by my experience of of trans and gender diverse people in in the act Um, so i'm i'm not saying that the statistics are wrong but uh, you know, uh, and, and they come from verifiable sources, and you know th- they're true regardless. But mm. I, I, th- I think I think we can. Um, I think it's more honest to acknowledge both of those things. Yes, there are these statistics on the basis of that, and the research that underpins them. Um, clearly, work needs to be done. Yeah, and I actually think as advocates and educators in the space, we have a we have a responsibility to, I guess, interpret and relay those statistics in more nuanced ways as well. Mm. Because I think when they're just presented as these cold, hard facts, they're really reductive. Mm. And it's sort of like, well, you know what? You can be a person who experiences depression and suicide ideality, and you can still probably in the, in the course of your life be a very effective member of the community and live a fulfilling life. And, you know, you can be winning with all of those things in a sense. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think sometimes we can yeah it, it sort of it reduces an individual's experience down to this one particular condition which is not necessarily useful yeah and and e- equally um we can all hit really hard tough places in our life that yeah. don't necessarily end in 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 that way yeah. um and you know from from a community perspective i think we have a responsibility to focus uh, at least as much of our attention on building the capacity of community to to be supportive and 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 resilient together peter hindle thank you very much for your time today it's been great talking for more information visit our website at aidsaction.org.au follow us on facebook or become an aids action council member You know you want to. LGBTIQ health, lifestyle and community news. Check it out. Is brought to you by the AIDS Action Council. From Canberra. For everyone.